All right, well, hey, we are in a series called Design, and we're in the book of Colossians, and uh, we're making our way through this book, and uh, the idea, the, the series is Design a Heavenly Concept, and the idea is that God has a plan for our life or a design for our life that was manufactured in heaven before we ever even existed, and we have the opportunity through relationship with him to uncover why we live. It's basically the idea. God has a a design for your life. It was, it was created in heaven before you were ever born. Like he saw, the Bible talks about how he knows the end from the beginning, that he sees your life all played out like a highlight reel before you even set foot, before you were ever born. God sees all of your days. And so sometimes and oftentimes people miss out on the perfect plan of God because they settle for something else or they get distracted by something else or they live for something else. And when we have relationship with God and when we press into what he has for us, we actually can live here and now in the plans that God has for us. That, that he desires for us to spend eternity in relationship with him, but we can actually begin to walk out those things right now. And I think especially for young people, it's important for us to recognize that God has a call for your life now. That it's not about tomorrow, it's not about one day, it's not about when I'm grown up or when I have experience or when I've done this, that, and the other. That actually right now we can walk in the perfect plans of God, that we can be living in the will of God. And so that's what we've been trying to unpack. Now we talked about week one, that in order to walk in God's specific will, we got to walk in his general will. That in order for us to uncover what you were designed to do, we've got to be walking in what God designed Christians to do in general. Now as we continue through the book, he's going to sort of give us a warning of some of the things that can keep us from walking in that God-given design. So Paul, for the next two chapters, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he's going to warn us against some of the very common things that come in and keep us from that heavenly design. Because if it was just that simple, like if God just says, hey, I created a life for you, go live in it, all of us would live in it, right? Because it's perfect. The Bible talks about how God has plans for us that are so much better and higher than the plans we have for ourselves. And so if that were just simple and true, everybody would be living in the will of God, right? But there are things that oppose the will of God, and there are things in our life that can keep us from walking in those perfect plans. And so the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, is going to describe for us the, some of the things that attempt to keep us from walking in our heavenly design. He's going to basically break it down to three things. He's going to call it philosophy or thinking, legalism or religion, or carnality or worldliness is basically the three things. So philosophy, which is thinking, uh, legalism, which is religion, and carnality, which is being like the world. Those are going to be the three big warnings he has for us. We're going to try to unpack two of them tonight. Sound good? All right, I've titled this message, if you want to write this down, Stay on Target. And you got to say it like Star Wars. Anybody know that scene from Star Wars? Like original, stay on target, stay on. It's like one of, anyways, it's an X-Wing fighter scene. And like Luke is, doesn't matter. Stay on target. It doesn't have to be said like that. That's just how I hear it. Um, uh, Colossians chapter 2. Um, and if you have the Bible app, you click events. And uh, we're in there. You can follow along there as well. The version Bible app. There's probably a lot of Bible apps. We're, we use the version um, for the events thing. That's besides the point. All right. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, period. Now pause for a moment. Paul, again, is writing to the church of Colossae, and he lets them know and lets us know that he's actually never met them before. You could say that the church of Colossae are Paul's grandkids. What I mean by that is Paul preached the gospel to people. Those people got saved. Then those people that got saved went to the city of Colossae and preached the gospel, and people got saved. So it's out of Paul's ministry, but not directly, right? And so Paul is now writing to them, and he says a church of Laodicea, it's another church, a sister church in that same region that are the same things. And so Paul is writing to them, and he says, hey, I'm writing to you. I know we've never met, but I love you, and I'm praying for you, is what he basically says. And then he says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body... Yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing um, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, somebody say therefore. therefore. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now jump down to verse 16. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Though these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Okay, now what are we talking about? Paul is warning us of things that can cause us to miss what God's doing in our lives. That's really the reason he's writing to the church of Colossae. He's saying, hey, God has a plan for your life. And I'm, I'm saying the same thing to you today, okay? God has a plan for your life. If you think, I don't know what I'm doing with your, my life, God has a plan for your life. If you're like, I feel lost and confused, God has a plan for your life. If you're like, I feel like I'm just going through the motions, God has a plan for your life. Okay, that's the point we're trying to make in this series. God has a plan for your life. But there are very real things that keep us from that God plan. There are real things in our life that keep us from walking out what God has for us. And Paul says, hey, Church of Colossae, hey, the factory youth. Hey, people in Vero Beach, Florida, God has a plan for your life, but there are very real things that can keep you from walking in that plan. And Paul warns us not to miss out on what God is doing. And the word he uses is he says, don't let things take you captive. There are things in our life that can take us captive and keep us from the life that God desires for us to live in. And the problem with the world that we live in today, or one of the problems, I don't think I could say this is the problem, this is a problem, is that the things that we think are freedom and our life are actually captivity. 
and the course of this world or the direction or the ambition or the desires that so often get pumped into our mind from, from very early on that we think, okay, this is the purpose of life. This is the reason for living. This is what life is all about. Actually can keep us captive and keep us from experiencing the true life that God designed for you to live in. And so Paul says, hey, let me, let me tell you a co- about a couple of these things that, that are going to attempt to keep you captive and miss, you will miss out on what God has. So my first point is this, watch out. That's basically what Paul is saying. He's saying, watch out because there's things that can keep you from that calling. And he tells us two things. Number one, culture. Number two, religion. Culture and religion is basically the idea if we're going to boil it down. He wants us to first not get caught up in philosophy according to human traditions. That's what he says. He says, hey, there's things that are going to take you captive. One of the things is philosophy according to human traditions. One of the main attacks on the follower of Jesus is uh, the culture in which we live in. Just, Just existing as a person on planet Earth in 2021, as a follower of Jesus, you, it's like you versus the world. Like, you know that, right? You go to school, you, you go on social media, you, you, you have conversations, you realize that your Christian thinking and your desire as a follower of Jesus is the complete opposite in direction of what the rest of the world is doing. That's just a, like, we don't have to look very far. Like, you could read one Bible verse, look at one Snapchat news article, and realize these two things don't match up, right? Like, it's not that difficult. And one of the main uh, attacks is the culture. But it isn't, he's not just saying, hey, just watch out for the culture and go hide. Like, he's not saying, hey, the world is scary and bad, so just find a safe place and bunker down and stay safe. That's not what he's saying. What he's warning us against isn't just the culture, but rather don't allow that culture to influence you, especially in your thinking. The reason is because the culture we live in is fundamentally opposed to the teaching of Jesus and the life he's called us to live. The Bible calls the world the course of this world or the direction of this world or the the flow of this world. Jesus calls it the wide road that leads to destruction. He says there's two roads. There's a highway it's, it's wide, it's open, and there's tons of people on it, and it's all heading to destruction. And he says there's another life. It's a narrow road, and there's few who find it, but it leads to life. And it is a course or direction that's going away from God, not towards him. And the warning then is this. What is shaping your thinking and your worldview? That's what Paul's saying. He says don't get caught up in philosophy of human tradition. In other words, don't let humanity's way of thinking to then infiltrate or establish your way of thinking. That's what he's warning against. He's saying, hey, there, there, are, there are things that culture and world and social media and friends and school are going to basically try to shape your way of thinking. And he's saying that is humanity's way of thinking and humanity's flawed. Right? Like, can we all agree that humanity's flawed? Like, people aren't perfect. People let us down personally, and people let us down, like, at the highest level. Like, we are awesome at letting each other down. Like, people are epic. They're great at failing. Like, what is our best quality? Probably letting people down. Probably messing up. 
Like, that's the reality. And so he says, don't let that way of thinking shape your way of thinking. And his warning is this, is the word of God, the heart of God, and the design of God, is that what's shaping your thinking? Or is it school, friends, Snapchat, celebrities, woke culture, or things like that? What is shaping our thinking? What is shaping how we think? Now, follow me for a second. He's not saying don't think. Okay? Paul's not saying if you're a follower of Jesus, just close off your mind and stop thinking and listen to whatever the guy with the microphone and the beanie says to you. <laughs> like, that's not what the Bible teaches. What we don't say is like, hey, our goal is to brainwash you now in the factory. So just be here and don't ever ask any questions. Just listen to us. That's not what we're saying at all. In fact, the Bible says that our faith is reasonable. In other words, there's answers. That if you ask questions, that there are good answers. In fact, in this very passage of scripture, look at verse two. He says, we can have full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, in God, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, there's answers in Jesus. And that true answers, true depth, true understanding is found not in culture, not in philosophy, not in Wikipedia, not on Instagram, but actual depth is found in God. And so he says, don't not think, but he says, what is influencing your thinking? And so one of the things that can keep you from walking in what God has for you is beginning to not think heavenly thoughts, not thinking like God, but rather thinking like the world. So he warns us against philosophy. The second thing he warns us against is religion. He warns us against religion. Now, religion is, I mean, we kind of think of what we're doing right now as religion, right? Like some of us are like, religion? That's what we're doing. And this is religion, and, and like granted, in, a, in layman's term, I would agree with you. In a layman's term, like to, to the vast majority of people, what we're doing to an extent can appear like religion. But can I warn you and tell you this is not religion? This isn't just like, okay, this is a way of thinking and like we think about God and then we do this, this, that, and the other, and then we're very religious people and we do those things. I would actually, most people that ask me, I say I'm not religious at all. Because religion, religion says it's up to me to earn something from God. It's about earning and deserving. Where what we have is not earning and deserving because what I deserve is the boot. Right? Like it, from heaven's perspective, like God sizes me up and like what do you get? The boot. Like you don't belong here. You're messed up. You're a liar. You do stupid things. You think about yourself all the time. Like you... Get the boot, get out of here. Earning and deserving, that's what I deserve. We don't, we're not about earning and deserving. We're about believing and receiving. What that means is Jesus did all the work. God made a way for us to have relationship with him, and we receive that because of faith in the cross, faith in what Jesus has done. It's not about earning and deserving. It's about believing and receiving. But Paul warns us against religion. What's religion? Religion is thinking that you can and you should earn your way to God. 
So he says, listen, one of the things that can keep you from God's design for your life is thinking that it's up to you to manufacture God's design for your life. Let me tell you that one of the pressures that you guys experience as young people is the, the thought that you need to, at 15, 16, 17 years old, figure out your whole life. Like, let me tell you, at 16 years old, if I made a decision that was like, this is going to be the rest of my life, it would have been a stupid decision. And that I, my heart breaks for especially seniors that get the question all the time, like, what are you going to do next? Like, what's your life going to be? And like, bro, I'm 17 years old. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't decide if I want Chipotle or if I want Chick-fil-A. Like, please, please don't make me make a decision that is going to be for the rest of my life. Please don't make me make that decision. And so what religion is, what religion is, is saying, I have to manufacture God's will for my life. And there's freedom in knowing that, hey, listen, 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 God's got a plan for your life. And if you choose to embrace God, and if you choose to walk with him, and you make him a priority in your life, what's going to happen? God is going to give, reveal to you that plan that he has for your life. And religion says, hey, you got to figure it out. Hey, religion says, you better get your life together. Religion says, if you're going to please God, you better do the right thing. You better not say bad words. You better make sure you're at church at least three, to three times a month. You better make sure you read your Bible every single day. You better pray at least seven minutes. And if not, no, no, no. Relationship says, God, I don't deserve even knowing you, and, but you love me, and I love you. And so out of that, I want to be with you. And Paul says, watch out. Hey, watch out. Watch out for thinking that's wrong, and watch out for religion that's wrong. And so Paul tells us then how to be prepared for these types of attacks. My second point is this, stay ready. It's basically what Paul is saying. He says, watch out, be aware. There's things that are coming in, but so because of that, you have to stay ready. Look at this verse again in verse 6. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, this is the idea. How we move and remain in the plans of God that he has for us um, and not compromise or miss out on them is basically by staying where God wants us to be. He tells us really three principles that need to be in our lives. Number one, he says you need to be rooted. Somebody say rooted, which is a fun word. I thought you guys should say it too. The idea of being rooted is having depth, right? Something that's rooted has depth. This is basically is to not have shallow Christianity. What is shallow Christianity? Shallow Christianity is Christianity that's based on feeling and situation, right? Shallow Christianity is, is a relationship with God based upon how I feel, I feel close to God. Oh my gosh, that was my favorite worship song and I got goosebumps and I felt close to God. Shallow Christianity is situational. My life is good. God's opening doors. Things make sense. 
And so I have relationship with God. And what shallow Christianity does goes, as soon as I don't feel it, like, oh, I didn't really like that song. I didn't feel the goosebumps. I didn't, I felt, they played a whole worship set, and I felt nothing. Not even a single, like, I didn't even have to hold back tears at all. I felt nothing. Where's God? Or, my life is so hard. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Where is God? Why is this happening? And either we don't feel something or the situation doesn't match what we want it to, want it to be like. And so we're like, God, I'm out. Shallow Christianity is something that has no substance or no depth that can withstand dry seasons and can withstand difficult seasons. And so what Paul says is you need to be rooted, rooted. And becoming rooted happens when we're in the right places doing the right things. Ephesians 3 tells us exactly how this happens. This is Ephesians 3, 17 in the New Living Translation. It says this, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. He says, Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. And your roots, your life, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. In other words, he says God's love is what's going to root you. And here's the thing about God's love. It's unconditional, meaning it's not situational, meaning it's not based upon feelings, meaning it's not based upon a good day or a bad day, that God's love is actually way deeper than that. And our life is to be rooted not in feelings and not in situation, but in God's love that never changes. So he says you gotta be rooted. Secondly, he tells us you gotta be built up. He says rooted, that means depth. That means go down deep. That means we have substance. That means we have character. That means we have faith that goes beyond what we experience or feel. But being built up means your life is producing characteristics that represent God. We're rooted, meaning we're not, we're, we're not, we're not going anywhere. But we're built up, meaning we're producing things that God wants us to produce. This comes from being built up and from building up. Being built up comes from being built up and from building up. I'm going to say that again because I felt like it should have got a, like a, at least like a, huh? Being built up comes from being built up and from building up. Huh? Okay, let me explain it. Thanks for asking. Being built up means you've got people in your life that are building you up. Being built up means you have people in your life that are building you up. People that are coming alongside you and encouraging you, not just like, oh my gosh, you're so cool, but like, oh my gosh, you have a calling. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you look so nice today. No, oh my gosh, God wants to do something impressive with your life today. Like people that come alongside you and don't just let you Spin around. People that come alongside you and say like, hey, bro, you're being a knucklehead because God has a call on your life. Stop being a knucklehead. We need people in your life that come along and build you up. But hey, listen, listen, you've got to be people that build up others. You've got to be somebody in your life that looks at your friend and be like, hey, buddy, stop being a knucklehead. God's got a call on your life. 
Hey, 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 sister, stop dating that guy. He's an idiot. God's got a call on your life. Like we need to have people that we can speak into their life and that also speak into our life. He says, you need to be rooted. You need to have depth. But hey, you need to be built up and you get built up by building up and by being built up. He says, you gotta be rooted. You gotta be built up. And the last thing, you with me? You gotta be established. Established. He says, get rooted, get built up, and get established. The idea of established means you aren't going anywhere. We live in a world that changes opinions every day about everything. We get caught up in the most recent trend or thought or practice, and we leave something, and we go on to the next, right? All the time, it's like, okay, this is what's cool, and then all of a sudden, they're not cool anymore. Actually, we hate them, right? Like, that's the world. I'm like afraid to do like luckily I'm a nobody so it doesn't matter like I can't really get canceled but that just seems so scary you know what I mean like you like oh my gosh we're done with you we liked you yesterday now we hate your guts see ya like your your guys generation is kind of ruthless like I'm not gonna lie um but all the time we're change we change opinions right we change thoughts we we change our desires established means like okay here I am and like tomorrow here I am. And a month from now, here I am. I love what Jacob said when he said that faithfulness is how God begins to do those things in your life. Because we think that, especially maybe you've been around the church for only a little bit of time and you haven't experienced God do something in your life and you're tempted to give up. Can I tell you, being established, like being planted, saying I'm not going anywhere is how God does something in your life. We gotta be people that stay where God wants us. So how do we do this? Worship team, come up here. I'm done. All right, how do we do this? How do we be rooted? How do we be built up? And how do we be established? Look at one more time at verse six. Can we pull up verse six again on the screen? Verse six. It says, therefore, somebody say therefore. therefore. Somebody say therefore. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, hey, up here, up here. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you received him, so walk in, so walk in him. As you receive him, so walk in him. How did we receive Christ? How did we receive Christ? It's not a trick question. How did we receive Christ? Somebody say something. Who said that? Who said that? Faith? Come on. How, we receive Christ through faith. Right? What's faith? Faith is trust in Jesus. Faith is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever has faith, whoever has trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we received Christ through faith. Now, we, we were able to receive Christ because of God's grace and his love for us. But we received him through faith. He's saying, listen, this is so key and this is so like transformational when it comes to understanding how God works. He's saying the same thing that God has saved is the same thing that will keep us walking with him. Okay, what was the thing that God has saved? Come on. Faith. Okay, what was the thing that God has saved? Faith. Okay, so what is the thing that's going to keep us walking with him? 
come on, somebody. That it's the same thing. <laughs> he says, as you received Christ, so walk in him. So faith. Faith came when we recognize I can't do this myself. I need, I need help. I need a savior. I need someone who loves me unconditionally and that can transform my heart and my life. And he's saying that the same thing that got us saved is the same thing that will keep us walking with him. The reason we're often, listen to me, unsettled or unsatisfied with God's design for our life is because sometimes we get bored of it. Sometimes we get bored of it. Or we think that there's something new or there's something better. Like the, the challenge for Young people walking with God is I, I don't see, I, I don't think it's just the pressures of the world. I think, I think that is a huge part of it, right? There's pressures of the world. But no matter where you're at in your life, whether you're 16 or whether you're 65, there's pressures from the world, yeah? Always. Like there, there's always people, there's always situations, there's always emotions. Like that's the reality. I think one of the problems for young people walking with God is just doing it for a long time. Like, I think about um, my brother Shane. Just think about him. Anyways, that's not the story. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Shane started playing baseball. How old were you when you started playing baseball? Nine. Okay. Shane started playing baseball at nine. That's Little League, right? And Shane was like a phenom in Little League. Like, I, I think about this story all the time. They were in, like, the, was it, like, districts or states or some, like, big deal game. There's two outs. They're, they're in the outfield, so they're pitching and, you know, trying to get people out. There's two outs. Bases are loaded. And was the count, full count, 3-0. So that means three balls, no strikes. If you know baseball, this makes sense. If not, just follow me. The pitcher has got, the count is 3-0, two outs, bases loaded. They, they pull this pitcher and they put Shane in. So Shane either throws one ball, the run comes in, the game's over. Or Shane has to throw three strikes in a row to get him out to like win the game, basically. Here comes Shane, nine years old. Chewing his gum. <laughs> Strike. Right? Strike two. Actually, ah. like, ah. And then, strike three. Ah. You're out. Right? Game wins. He's nine years old. By the time he's like 12, he's over baseball. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, phenom at nine. Like, this kid's going all the way. He's 12, over it. Done with baseball, like, on to the next thing. And I think, like, one of the pressures is, like, we're like, Shane should have been a baseball player. No, it's just like, you know, it's life. Anyways, um, one of the things, like, for young people walking with God is, like, you, I mean, you, here we are. Like, you are experiencing the presence of God right now. Like, God's presence is here. God is doing something. Like, you are in, let me tell you, let me tell you, like, I have traveled a lot and spoken at a lot of youth groups, and, and God, this is unique, 
okay? Like what God is doing here is unique. Don't think like if you just moved to another town and like started going to church, you would experience something like this. Okay, this is unique. God is doing something. And one of the, the challenges for young people is that you just kind of get like over it. Like, ah, it's kind of a, like life is a long time. You just kind of get like, ah, on to the next. Ah, just kind of moving on. What's my, what, what's my word for you today? Stay on target. My word for you today is stay on target. Focus on God. I wrote three things that will help us get focused on God and do what God wants us to do. We've got a, three, three ways how to do it. Dedication, concentration, fascination. Dedication to Jesus, concentration on Jesus, fascination with Jesus. We never get tired with him. We stay on target. We focus on him. We're dedicated. Our life's a living sacrifice. We're concentrated. We're fixated on him. We're not wandering our eyes onto other things. And we're fascinated with the love of God. We're fascinated with the grace of God. We're fascinated with who he is. Dedication, concentration, fascination. Stay on target. Don't miss what God's doing in your life. Don't settle for other thinking or, or other behavior. Recognize that God has a plan for your life.